0: Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes! With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> and Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. But you know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company. ESPN
1: Las Vegas. Here we go. Wednesday, Cofield and Company, Adam Candy's alongside Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios, trending at 2 o'clock. Candy, we got a big one tonight. We got a big one tonight. It was going to be big with the Golden Knights at the Wild, but it got even bigger in those final two minutes of the game on Monday when the Golden Knights inexplicably peed a game away. i will be nice, but that was a disaster down the stretch, and now we're set up tonight with a big game against a team that the Knights have not solved, and they hold a four-point lead on the Wild, a two-point lead on the Sharks in the West Division.
2: When you look at this game tonight for the Golden Knights, it's as big as a regular season game can possibly be. And how can that be for a team that's in first place and appears to be in the driver's seat? Well, Look at who the Minnesota Wild have been to the Vegas Golden Knights just this year alone. Don't even look at the fact that they've only won four times in 15 tries against this team. Just look at this year where they only have one regulation win against the Minnesota Wild in seven games. And so what happens if you potentially lose this game tonight to the Wild? Well, you go one step closer to having to play this team in the first round, this team that would have 72 points if it won tonight. Instead of a St. Louis Blues team that will have about 16 points less than that, that the Golden Knights have played very good hockey against this year. In fact, they've only lost once in regulation to St. Louis throughout the season. So it's going to be a tough road to the finish for VGK, and they've got to solve the weird hex that this Minnesota team has had on them this year.
1: More Golden Knights talk coming up in about 15 minutes as we'll get you set for the game. It's a uh, early start. 5 o'clock hour, we'll have a bunch of updates on the game, and we'll uh, wrangle up a hockey guest for the 5 o'clock hour to break down the game, get us some updates, and see what's going on with the Golden Knights in a pivotal, pivotal matchup. Boy, the Raiders' situation got really interesting in terms of competition in the defensive backfield, which is interesting. Yesterday, they signed Casey Hayward. They've been signing guys, and they drafted a bunch in uh, the especially the latter rounds of the draft on Friday and then into Saturday. And it was funny. I saw Isaiah Johnson. Did you see this one? Uh, Isaiah Johnson on the Raiders, a fourth round pick from a couple of years ago, was uh, part of the effort pushing people to get vaccinated. And, uh, you know, basically said it this way, that we can't have 65,000 folks, can't fill it up to capacity at the Owl unless everyone does their part and gets vaccinated. So, again, the Raiders in the community doing a good job. Isaiah Johnson playing the good soldier and, Yet looking ahead, Candy, we've got a situation set up where he's going to be fighting for his job. There's going to be a bunch of guys on the Raiders uh, Raiders roster fighting for their gigs. That will not include Jeff Heath, who yesterday was released. You kind of see what they've set up here, right, Candy? Uh, Big numbers, lots of veteran players, lots of young guys. And for folks who have been kind of teetering on the roster, haven't made that next step, they're going to have to work to make this team.
2: I find it interesting that jeff heath was the one to go considering what he was to that team last year frankly as bad as they were at safety jeff heath played as good of a safety as anybody we had seen but here we are with casey hayward joining the defensive backfield and on its face the move makes perfect sense you bring in a guy who knows gus bradley's system inside now from having spent time together with the chargers and a guy to mentor Damon Arnett and a guy to mentor Trayvon Mullen. It makes all the sense in the world. It's a low risk one year signing. And you're right by bringing in some veterans like Casey Hayward, like Carl Joseph, you're basically saying to guys who were drafted during the Gruden era that he's not happy with the results and that he's going to kind of go back to old school Gruden and trust the vets more than the rookies.
1: Also trending it to uh day number whatever it is now in the Aaron Rodgers saga. We'll go back a little later on the show to what Terry Bradshaw said yesterday. Brett Favre has now spoken up. Oh, God. Uh, He does his weekly podcast, so he's got a take on Rodgers and the rift with the Packers. I would assume he backs Rodgers. You know, he had his own issues with Packers management, so we'll hear from Bradshaw again and Favre with some fresh stuff a little later in the show. I'm going to go back to yesterday, and we were talking about the... The problems with the GM, management, I'll joke owners because I think they're actually some of these stockholders who are like, "Eh, Rodgers doesn't like it, he can leave. That's not being a very smart owner, but uh, that's an owner slash fan when they're speaking like that. I made a comparison to what the Packers possibly could have happened here if they don't get their act straight on the management end. This was, I will promote myself here. This was me yesterday, and let's see if anyone else has picked up on this theme today you've got a personality conflict here. And when you hear stuff like Matt, even Matt LaFleur may not have known last year that Jordan Love was going to be the pick. You've got a GM who is power hungry. And we've seen this throughout history, John. There have been cases where sports GMs can't deal with the fact that the organization is the star player. It ain't you. And I, I really believe in a lot of cases, there's a jealousy and certain sports GMs are like, you know what? I've had enough of, you know, Michael Jordan getting all the credit or Aaron Rodgers getting all the credit. I'm going to show I can do it myself. I can do it again. And I don't mind what Belichick does, obviously. And he even did it with Brady, right? Brady obviously has a couple more years left. But Belichick over the course of his career is like, I'm going to get rid of a guy before he runs out. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers ain't running out. The gas tank is pretty full at 37 going on 38. Back off your desires to build the next winner and ride this amazing wave. I hope it happens. I hope it happens because I will enjoy years and years and years of the Packers toiling like the Chicago Bulls did after Job of the Bull. Jerry Krause broke it up because you couldn't keep it together. We had to break it up. We got to try to be good moving forward. Go ahead and do it, Packers. Go ahead and do it, Packers. We're back live. Uh, wow, that was interesting. Jerry Krause, of the Bull mentioned breaking the Bulls up early. We all saw that in the documentary, how ridiculous it was. And we've got a headline this morning. Aaron Rodgers reportedly dubbed Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst, Jerry Krause. Very nice. Very nice. Not shocking, right, Candy, with the uh, recency of the Michael Jordan documentary. And I think a lot of people had forgotten how stupid it was down the stretch with the Bulls to move on and say, you know, we can do it without Michael Jordan. We don't need to fix the Scottie Pippen situation. I did it once. I'm Jerry Krause speaking. I will do it again. We built this Packers team to be dominant with Aaron Rodgers on the roster. Brian Gutekunst, the current GM, I'll do it again in very Jerry Krause-like fashion.
2: At the very beginning of this situation, I had to look up the name of the Packers GM (laughs) because I know Matt LaFleur and I know Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst. I had to find out who the F are you? Who are you? Because you just mentioned... Bill Belichick, the hoodie's got rings. The hoodie's got more than he can fit on one hand. Jerry Krauss? Well, yeah. yeah. J- Jerry's got a bunch of rings on his hand, too. You know more. what Brian Gutekust has? A name I had to look up to figure out who he was. Don't tell me about that. Goodness, Jerry Krause. Are you kidding me? You're not even Jerry Krause.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
3: I think uh, a 10 game winning streak kind of does that to you, you, uh, you know, your game starts to slip the detail, your game starts to slip a little bit and you're still winning and uh, you know it's almost a reset for us to, to some of the core values that have made us successful all
0: year so that's what we're looking to see tonight. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. My guy, Pete DeBoer. Adam Candy's with us.
1: All right, Adam, we got the setup now. This is a massive, massive game. Man. Do you have anything for us on why the Knights have had so much trouble with the Wild this year? They're 1, 5,
2: and 1. The Minnesota Wild seem to play a style against the Golden Knights that frustrates them. They seem to be very good on the counterattack. They don't miss a lot of opportunities when the Golden Knights give them to them. And that top line with Kapril Kaprizov, who's probably going to be the Calder Trophy winner as the Rookie of the Year... Uh, has just been huge for them. Uh, So has Erickson Eck, who had his 18th goal in the game for Minnesota. Um, And even in a game when the goaltending wasn't there, Cam Talbot was terrible for the Minnesota Wild in that last game. The problem is Robin Leonard was worse. Robin Leonard might have played his single worst game of the year in that game on Monday night. He let in two absolute softies, including the game-winning goal. And so what can you look at now tonight and say, what can they do better? What can they do differently? Well, Bill Foley's decision to hang on to Marc-Andre Fleury and pay his (laughs) goaltenders $12 million tonight looks very good because the better half of their goaltending tandem is in the net tonight. Marc-Andre Fleury will get the start for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he is basically being tasked with saying, keep us in first place and don't let Minnesota create a giant mess for us down the stretch. So this is where we are right now with the goalie situation. It ain't permanent, but right now at this juncture of the season, you're more confident in... It has to be Marc-Andre Fleury and because Robin Leonard had a game the other night that Robin Leonard just generally doesn't have like those goals were so soft that you don't see a starting goaltender in the NHL. Let those in at all. And look, we are not here to judge whether the off ice stuff ultimately affects the on ice stuff. But we've heard a lot from Robin Leonard over the last couple of weeks about how difficult this season has been, how difficult last season in the bubble has been. And it brings up questions to say, how is Robin Leonard doing right now? No, not talking about the mental health issues that he's dealt with. Just generally, is his physical state, mental state, emotional state, everything that it needs to be for the Golden Knights right here and right now down the stretch? and. Before the last game, I don't think I would have questioned it. He's a professional. He's done the job for a number of years. He was by far the better goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights last season. But you have to say, with the way Marc-Andre Fleury has played for the bulk of this season, save for about a two-week stretch a month ago, that he has been the better half of the tandem, and I feel way more comfortable with him in net tonight. Should we give Leonard
1: a break because some of the defensive play wasn't so sterling in that first game against the Wild.
2: I'd be willing to do that if we hadn't seen Marc-Andre Fleury clean up so many of those messes for the Vegas Golden Knights, not just this year, but in his entire time here. Look, this is a team that takes chances. This is a team that pinches defensemen, that sends four into the offensive zone. They're going to give up some opportunities. Now, what you can't have happen is, is the miscues in your own zone you can't have those quick turnovers that become problems but you know what there are times that the Golden Knights are going to have to ask whoever is in net to clean up some of those issues because they're an aggressive team because they are going to try to force the issue offensively and honestly look five four with two minutes left in the game in favor of Vegas we wouldn't be talking about any of this if they've been able to pull themselves together down the stretch, but the defensive play, they don't pick up Caprice off in front of the net on the rebound that Leonard gives up to tie the game. And then that seeing eye shot that Leonard frankly should have had a piece of that won the game for Minnesota could have kept us from talking about all of this. You know, part of the deal on defense
1: too, is they are still trying to get through a lot of injuries, right?
2: They are. I mean, look, this is a team that has not had continuity with his defense all year long early in the season. Alex Petrangelo was not playing well in his transition from St. Louis. And then you add in the Alex Petrangelo injury. You had Braden McNabb miss a decent amount of time for this team early in the year. You've had Alec Martinez out for games at a time. Shea Theodore has been about the most consistent presence for this team. And look, we knew that they were going to have issues when it came to the sixth defenseman. Zach Whitecloud, very honestly, has been pretty solid for this team as a young player coming in and playing in that third pair. But when you look to continuity and you say okay have we had the same three pairs all season long not even close and the golden knights have tried to get it done in a lot of weird ways dylan Coughlin playing some defense in the middle of a game playing some forward in the middle of a game this is how you have to manage a weird cap situation to have 12 million dollars in goaltenders but vegas has gotten to this point of the season first place in the west division by doing all of these gymnastics. And now it's a matter of sticking the landing when they really have to. I wonder if there's some night fans out there who are like, What's
1: the deal, man? You guys are being so critical. It is kind of funny. And uh, Von Tobel started laughing at me yesterday because, you know, I, I came into the show. I was all fired up about the way the Knights had pitched uh, away the game the night before. But fall to 36 12 and two. They've had an amazing season. And when we pair this with all the talk we've got around the Raiders, it is kind of amazing the standards that we expect from the Knights versus the Raiders. But this is where we are, right, Candy? This is a roster that, well, the original roster got all the way to the Stanley Cup final, and management has tweaked. They've had to fire people. They've made replacements. They've they've added replacements that were unpopular. But this is the Knights' lot in life. They're a top-five team in all the NHL. They're in the running to win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, down the stretch, we are going to go super micro and complain about certain things. But I I don't think the Knights would be unhappy with that because
2: these are the standards they've set. And they have built that 36-win record against a trash pile. we got to be honest about this. Yeah, yeah. Darren Millard said last week, well, a 10-game winning streak is still a 10-game winning streak, and he's absolutely right. But if you look at the two teams that if the Golden Knights were to finish second or third in the division, that they're going to have to go through to win a Stanley Cup, that's the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche. They have played 14 regular season games against those teams this year, and they have five regulation wins. So I don't want to hear about anything that happened in a shootout, anything that happened in overtime because those are flukes. Those are crapshoots. Those are coin tosses. They have won five of 14 games against the teams that they're going to have to go through just to get out of their own division if they don't pull it together here at the end of the year. So no, we're not sounding the alarm and saying this team sucks. We're not telling anybody to jump ship on the Golden Knights, but we're saying if you want to set up the easiest way to get to that Stanley Cup final and to win it, yeah, we're going to hold you to that standard because winning a game like that on Monday and coming back and now bouncing back from that mess tonight is what you have to do if that's the standard you want to live up to.
1: It's time to win a prize. 364 1100. Caller 11 1100. We're giving away MLB The Show for the Xbox. MLB The Show 21 is out. It's good for both hardcore and casual baseball gamers, no matter what your play style. If you want to do the dream team in Diamond Dynasty, you can do that. Current-day players, your favorite legends. Hell, you can invent your own player. I think that's what they say. I don't know how you you say it. I'm not a gamer. But uh, if you guys are, you're going to want this. MLB The Show 21 for Xbox, 364-1100. Caller 11-364-1100.
0: Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. at the Battle Born Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. We've got another giveaway for
1: MLB The Show 21 coming up in the 4 o'clock. The 4 o'clock hour. We're also going to talk a little aviators in about 15 minutes. Jim Gemma. From Vegas, we'll be in here to talk about the season opener, all the promotions, and then uh, what the attendance picture is going to look like handy over the course of the next couple of months, because right now we don't have 100% clearance, so every organization has to you know, basically deal with this on a month-by-month basis. Uh, how much of the Yankees and the Astros did you get a chance to watch yesterday?
2: Every beautiful out.
1: Okay. And the atmosphere, the crowd was...
2: Electric or as electric as it gets with ten plus thousand fans in the stadium. uh I got to be honest, Cofield. I had hit a point as someone who watches Yankees games on just about a daily basis. I'd kind of reached sort of a all right. If I catch five innings, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, get off for our show and go check out the uh you know the last few innings from the jump. The energy in that stadium last night was completely different with the Houston Astros making their first appearance in the Bronx since the cheating scandal came to light. I love it.
1: Do we hear anything from Dusty Baker? Any whining after the game?
2: You know what? I didn't actually catch uh, what Dusty did or didn't say, but you know what? I honestly don't care what Dusty has to say because Dusty wasn't there. Dusty wasn't part of it. I have plenty of reasons to dislike Dusty Baker for how he ruins the Chicago Cubs' young arms, but I don't have any animosity toward Dusty Baker the Astro. Dusty Baker on
1: the Yankees chant. Headline. Astros <laughs> Dusty Baker on F Altuve chant. Yankees fans can say whatever they want. Uh Dusty, they, we, don't need your approval, and they are going to say whatever they want. Dusty then went on to say the fans are extremely hard on Altuve tonight. He's exerting a lot of effort, maybe too much effort.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, Steve. Uh, you know, ever since the cheating scandal came hmm. to light. It's weird. Jose Altuve has not been particularly good. It's kind of strange, don't you think? Man, the, the five that's, six. I just think it's a little weird.
1: It is a little weird. The five six yeah. one ninety guy who used to be able to hit you know three forty in a season with thirty dongs. Right now, it doesn't seem to be up to snuff to those standards.
2: Yeah, very very strange. Very strange. You know when he doesn't uh, when he doesn't know what pitch is coming when he might or might not have a buzzer on his chest to know when Aroldis Chapman's going to throw a slider. Yeah, just, I don't know, boggles my mind. Just boggles my mind. Uh, But I enjoyed every single moment of the F. Altuve chant. And if you're wondering why did Yankees fans pick out Altuve in particular, it's because back in 2017, uh, Jose Altuve was given the MVP over Aaron Judge in a season where Judge had better than 50 home runs and didn't know any of the pitches that were coming. Funny, right? Just funny, so strange. So I, yeah. I can't get my can't get my arms around it. And I'm sure there are people
1: who have uh, fatigue on this whole thing, but too bad. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not interested in hearing any. You know, hey, how how long is this going to go on for? For a lot longer, forever. I don't know. They cheated. They showed no remorse. Uh, if you want to come with some what ism hey, what about this team? What about that team? They got caught and they got sort of punished. At least management did. The players did not. So they're going to hear it for a long time, and. Part of it, you know, most of it is the Astros' fault. Part of it is Bobby Manfred's fault. He blew it, so baseball's got to deal with this, and there's nothing. This is great. There's no fines. There's nothing. Nothing Major League Baseball can do to curb this. Astros hate at almost every stop around the league. Nothing. Too bad.
2: Deal with it. You created this mess. Rob Manfred created this mess, like you just said. He's the one who gave the players immunity to talk about the whole thing. So who suffered? Alex Cora suffered Carlos Beltran suffered AJ Hinch suffered they probably had pretty strong knowledge of what was going on but they're not the ones who walked up to the plate with the signs given to them while the trash cans were being beaten it's the players and you know what the attitude just the smug attitude off the Alex Bregman's and Jose Altuves of the world I hope they hate every single minute of it I hope that they never get the respect of any fans anywhere I hope our resident Astros fan, Tyler Bischoff, is listening and knows that he's the only one who thinks it's okay that they cheated because everyone else will remember them as fake champions.
1: Uh, There's plenty of uh, Houston media, including sports radio people who carry the water for the Astros and, and practice the whataboutism. They do it every day. You see it on Twitter. You know, Lash out at others. Well, you cheat. What about you guys doing this? No, there's no whataboutism. You got caught doing it. Now, deal with it. And I'll tell you the other thing. It was kind of gross. And I, this if I were in Houston, first of all, I'd be playing it down the middle. I wouldn't be a complete kiss-ass. Uh, secondly, I thought it was so gutless when they were really getting the rash of crap, you know, coming out of the scandal. And we found out what happened to management in terms of the penalties that the guy they push out front or the guy who wanted to be out front to be the spokesperson was Carlos Correa who speaks English as a second language, and that's the guy they put out there instead of Bregman, instead of one of the American players stepping up and being the rep, they throw Carlos Correa out there to get all the hate?
2: They threw Carlos Correa out there to try to deal with this. Also, the youngest member of, uh, not the youngest, but one of the younger members of that franchise. But the problem came from the top. The problem came all the way from the owner, Jim Crane. Because Jim Crane came out there and he was the one leading those press conferences and he was the one setting the tone for the we don't care, we're still the champions attitude that comes from it. Congratulations, you're the champions. Yep, no one can ever take it away from you. But you know what? No one will ever respect it either. And Paul O'Neill on the Yankees broadcast last night said, you know, there's a certain respect that comes within baseball from player to player. For winning championships. And Paul O'Neill said they will never have that. They will mm. never have the respect of their fellow players. And they pointed out later in the broadcast Remember that famous picture of Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve standing next to each other when Judge was at second base and they're kind of yucking it up and Altuve is, you know, five foot nothing and Judge is a monster and ha ha, here's the big guy, here's the small guy. Well, did you see where they were standing last night? About as far away from each other as it was possible. The Yankees have no respect for the Astros. Baseball has no respect for the Astros, and it never will.
1: Yankees, Dodgers, two of the evilest empires in all of baseball. 32 and 28 combined. Can either team win 95 games now?
2: The Yankees are going to have a hard time because that division's a lot better than I think anyone thought it was going to be. The Red Sox are far better than anybody thought they would be, and the Blue Jays are basically playing in Coors Field South in Tampa, even though they're moving up to Buffalo. And I look at the Dodgers, and... We talked so much about the rotation depth, right? They've got seven starters. Well, now they barely have four because Dustin May had Tommy John surgery. David Price is on the injured list. Tony Gonsolin, who frankly would be in the starting rotation for probably about 29 other major league teams, is on the injured list as well. I mean, Cody Bellinger's been out most of the season. They've had injuries that would cripple most other teams. It's a miracle they're even still in contention because of the talent and depth they have. It's crazy. Um
1: Yankees lineup, getting healthier. Voight should be back soon. The problem with the Yankees still is, and I mentioned this yesterday, the problem is that if you want to call them the two and three starters, uh, can Corey Kluber get anywhere close to what he used to be and can Tyon be a consistent guy who can go out and throw at least six innings?
2: Can Corey Kluber do what he's done the last two starts out? And we're going to find out. He's got Max Scherzer up next with the Nationals coming into Yankee Stadium this weekend, but watching cory kluber and seeing how he's adjusted he's right now he's making that late career adjustment that every former power pitcher does right i don't have 95 in my back pocket anymore what can i do and he has that ball dancing right now like justin timberlake moves like th- that thing is moving all over the place if cory kluber can harness that and become this change-up slider guy that he's been and he had 10 strikeouts against the tigers last time out then there's a chance. I don't know if it holds up for a whole season, but the Yankees are just trying to stay competitive in that division right now.
1: More baseball talk on the way. Candy is uh, Jim Gemma from the Aviators is going to join us. He'll tell us about the season opener, a lot of the promotions going down, and also answer some of the fans' questions about single-game tickets and uh, when attendance numbers will boost to a more normal level or are a bit limited right now.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. You are listening to Cofield and Company live from the Battleborne Broadcast Center on ESPN, Las Vegas.
1: It's a Wednesday. We're at the uh, BBBC. Coming up in about a half an hour, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins, will be with us. All right, let's get out to the ballpark. I assume he's at the ballpark. He should be at the ballpark, right? Uh, He couldn't really be there for a long time. Jim Gemma from the Aviators is up with Candy and Cofield. Jim, how are you doing?
3: Steve and Adam, uh, thanks so much for having me on. All
1: right, Jim, tell us what it's like just being around the stadium. And I know you had a media day the other day. It, It seems like it's been forever, yet it probably seems like it was yesterday. What was it like?
3: Yeah, I mean, it'll be two days shy of uh, 20 months uh, tomorrow night since the last AAA game was played here. So it's just great to see the players back here. I mean, obviously they love playing here. It it is a great atmosphere for uh, the AAA. So we're looking forward to playing Sacramento uh, tomorrow night to uh, start the season.
2: So, Jim, give us a sense of what it will look like inside the ballpark. Uh, We know that there is a plan to have limited fans, and what will the experience be like for anybody who's coming out to games?
3: Well, obviously with the vaccine rollout and the way things are going, things look way better. I always say to myself, uh, everything's this time a year ago. You put yourself in that situation. Now we're so much better off. So uh, we've been approved for uh, 50%, which is roughly 5,000 people. Uh, we kind of got a unique situation. We're only home for two six-game series here, May uh, 6th to the 11th, and May 20th to the 25th. And we go on a long road trip. So then we don't come back to June 10th. So as we know, June 1st is kind of the magic day if we hit all the numbers. So, uh, you know, things could be totally different by the time we get back after the May home stands. But still, you know, we're outdoors. Uh, you know, we'll do the face coverings and, and all that good stuff like all the other teams have done. But what's really in our favor, we you know, we're, we're an outdoor venue, so it'll, it'll it should bode well for everyone.
2: Yeah, I mean, the science on everything has been very, very clear about how much safer outdoor activities are than just about anything else when it comes to the spread of the virus. So you have that advantage working on your side. Um, Overall, how have you guys gone about figuring out, you know, with that limited capacity, how you'll get tickets out, what you do with your season ticket holders, how you deal with the single game tickets and so on from there.
3: We're in a great situation. We're at Cashman Field for so long. So our base wasn't anything like it is now. I mean, our base is, probably half the stadium, that's our season ticket base. So, obviously, they were with us through thick and thin. Uh, the Aviator season ticket holders are fantastic. So, uh, common sense says, you know, they, they're they going to get treated first and foremost. So, we're going to accommodate them. We had single-game tickets go on sale Monday. Uh, obviously, they went fast. So, uh, we can add more as we go. But right now, we really have to take care of our season ticket holders. And like we said earlier a couple minutes ago, June will hopefully uh, will get us to if not 100% uh, close to that. And then uh, it really opens everything up for, you know, the pool at full uh, capacity, the berms, the party decks, you know, the outfield uh, seats, all that stuff.
2: You know, Jim, in a lot of ways, it it kind of feels like this will be the first place that the community of Vegas that loves sports will be able to come together in that really big way, right? Not to take anything away from the Golden Knights and the fact that they've had uh, you know, uh, the ability to open their stadium, but you talk about the atmosphere, you talk about the party, you talk about the outdoors and the fact that overall, you can do things a little bit differently uh, out at the ballpark. Are you guys kind of ready for a little bit of a celebration uh, when it comes to folks coming out?
3: Absolutely. Uh, and our players love playing with our uh, in front of our fans because we had so many sellouts the first year and also the stadium club area in the suite area. The stadium clubs that go into the club seats, that also can go open air now. The windows will, will come out on nice evenings like that. So uh, we have a lot of advantages as far as that goes. Uh, yeah, the fans are, our feedback has been great. So, uh, you know, they've been real patient and, uh We'll, we'll be ready to roll uh, tomorrow night at 7.
1: Jim Gemma, Aviators is up on Cofield and Company. A uh, question to uh, readdress is the, uh, the promotions. There's all these great promotions you guys have every year. I guess you're going to have to be patient with those, and you just push them back a little bit into the season. When, Sorry, this is. I'm sure you're like, we're, we just want to open and get going, but when do you think you start rolling out promotions?
3: No, I mean, that's a great question Uh I know we've been around here in April. It seemed like the wind hasn't stopped blowing until yesterday. We had media day. We're scheduled to do fireworks uh, Friday night, but uh, the wind is supposed to blow. So hopefully that'll uh, be okay by 10 o'clock Friday night. We're gonna have our first fireworks show this Friday, and like you said, mostly the uh, promotion items where they're the first 2,500 through the gates and all that stuff. Uh, I know Chuck Johnson, our GM VP of Sales and Marketing, we're kind of holding off, like you said, till we get more capacity. Uh, we're gonna have the race, uh, the Plata. Uh, situation on Tuesdays. That'll be the last game of this first homestand, the Las Vegas Silver Kings. It's always a a cool logo and a a nice look. A lot of the minor league teams uh, have been doing that. And uh, like you said, as we go into June, uh, hopefully we can start uh, picking up with Jersey Knights and bobblehead Knights and what have you. Aviators
1: are back, AAA baseball is back, it's much needed for baseball, it's much needed for Las Vegas. Jim, do we have an idea what the uh, the roster is going to look like, because uh, so many of these guys need to get back to playing, so some of the highlight players on the roster?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what really hurt uh, last year. Uh, guys lost a year of development in the in the prime of their careers. I mean, it pales in comparison what everybody went through, but as far as the sports situation, you're absolutely right. Uh, well, tomorrow night, uh, James Caprillian is on the mound. Uh, I don't know if you knew of him, Steve. He came over in a trade with the Yankees in '17. Uh, he played at UCLA. So, I mean, he's got a real power arm. He's had some arm issues, but he'll be pitching for us tomorrow night. Uh, and uh, top prospects are Greg Deekman, an outfielder who played in Double uh, A, uh, and we'll see how he works out. Uh, you know, among others that played in Double uh, A, mostly in uh, 2019.
1: Jim Janna. He's on the horn with us. All right, give us your opinion of what's happened with the the big club here. This has been quite a start.
3: Yeah, I think everybody was shocked at uh, the 0-6 and, 6 and uh, inspect for them. I was talking with somebody from the A's today to win 13 in a row, but it always seems like they plug it in. Uh, you know, they lost Simeon, they added Elvis Andrews, and they did have a lot of talent here in Las Vegas in 2019. But, you know, we have Matt Chapman and Olsen and I, you know they always seem uh, to find a way to win. So uh, they they've kind of stabilized. Uh, Lissardo breaking his finger did not help uh, in that freak injury uh, playing a video game, which is which is not good. But uh, other than that, uh, you know they're they're holding their own up there, and uh, they they should be able to win that uh, you know A O S. But like we said, they always just kind of plug it in, and they've won 97 games in back to back years. So they always uh, Billy Bean and them they find a way to win.
1: Jim, give us a summary of what's happened across the minor leagues the last year or so in terms of consolidation. What does it look like now?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a a perfect storm because uh, we're all under uh, minor league baseball in 19. We're all under major league baseball now. Uh, It's 120 teams. A lot of the teams were contracted. The Appalachian League – uh, not to bore everybody, but it was totally owned by Major League Baseball. So there was always talk that uh, the Appalachian League was going to contract, but a lot of the teams that were contracted out of affiliated ball, they're still the markets are still there. They're either college uh, summer league, uh, wood bats, or they're uh, independent leagues. So right now we're, we're structured as 120 teams. It really didn't affect AAA as much as single A and Double uh, A. but I know the markets, uh, AAA East started last night, and uh, their second game of the season is uh, tonight. So uh, everybody's revved up and those markets, uh, there's some really good markets in the you know the minor leagues.
2: Jim, what were the players doing uh, during this time? Like how were they able to work out? What have you heard from the guys in terms of how they were able to try to stay sharp in terms of you know what what could they even really do?
3: Well, what really helped us was uh, the alternate site was in April. It actually turned out probably best to start in May. Because the attendance issues, because minor league baseball needs people in the seats, concession sales. That's there's no TV deal. Uh, the alternate site was pretty much 90% of the alternate site was our AAA team, so a lot of the AAA players filtered a little bit down to AA. At least they went in the spring training and played. Uh, I know the A's played the San Francisco Giants alternate site uh, numerous times in April, but uh, some guys uh, going back a little bit, they played you know winter ball as much as they could and. You know, some guys basically lost a year. Uh, that's really tough.
1: Jim Gemma is on the horn. Let's close it out by going back to the beginning, the fact that, you know, things are going to be open up. Seating will be limited for now. I know you guys are trying to streamline uh, entrance into the stadium and also safety, uh, and there is an app that fans can download, right? They have to use that app to make sure that they can at least, um, like I said, streamline the process of getting into the stadium.
3: Yeah, it's the uh, clear app it's basically uh, – You know, we've all been through that over the past 14 months. Basically, your pre-screen before you come in just makes it a lot easier to come in. The best part about Las Vegas Ballpark, we have multiple entrances, center field, off Pavilion Center Drive. Um, You know, there's a lot of access. So hopefully we can do it uh, quickly. And, uh, you know, the gates open at 6. Obviously, the suite holders a little earlier. But, uh, yeah, the general gates will open at 6.
1: Jim, we appreciate it. Thank you. Getting ready for uh, And I'm sure you're excited for the season. So glad you guys are back.
3: Steve and Adam, uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, uh, love your podcast show and and everything else you guys do.
1: Yes, yes, thanks, Jim. Jim's a big fan of the uh, late-night podcast. He's always up there making comments, so glad to have him on. As the Aviators are back, we need it. We've got this brand-new stadium. We want fans to be able to go out there and uh, the minor league prospects throughout the country uh, getting a chance to uh, further develop their
0: skills and eventually make it to the majors. Visit
3: lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.